Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. I, uh, I have to tell you a story about how, how things, like when, when people tell stuff on other people, it just kind of gets out of control sometimes. And, and, uh, and TJ was saying, has anyone ever talked behind your back? I said, no. Of course, that was a lie. That was the only thing. I was like, I now have to answer the altar call, you know, because I lied today. But, but I do have a funny story about this. And this happened several years ago. And I was, my, my boys, they had this favorite little restaurant called Wingstop. Any of y'all like Wingstop? Yeah. All right. Well, that was, that was a favorite for my boys. And so every once in a while, they would say, Dad, let's go to Wingstop. And I, yeah, I knew what it was all about. So we would go there and do that. And one of the things that, that I would get with, uh, I, I like those little celery sticks that come with, uh, with the wings sometimes. I, I do. They're kind of fun. I, they, that's, that just, it just adds zest and zing and and, and, and it makes you feel like you're eating something healthy. It, at least it's, it's, it's therapeutic to some degree. So I always like getting that. And, and they'll ask you, do you want that? I'm like, well, of course I do. Give me my veggies. So I don't say it like that, but, but that's, that's what I'm thinking. Like, don't you know? Uh, so so uh, we, we were there at Wingstop, and I got my, it came in a little cup, and all the veggies were in there. I sat down, was so excited. We prayed over the food. You know, we always pray over your food. I, I learned that, you know, that, that's very important, especially when you're in other countries, because you don't know what's actually in there or what. Oh, God, bless this food. Please bless it, bless it, bless it. Now, in today's culture, with as, as unhealthy as most food is, it's like, God, bless it to my body. You'll find the nutrients in there. Get it in me. But, but this is like, we're praying a prayer of blessing over it. And then we start to eat, and I pull out my first piece of celery, and there was this insect that was just walking up the celery. And I, and I looked at it, and I looked at my boys and said, look at this. Look at this. Oh, this is crazy. This is crazy. Now, I, I was calm about it. I really was. I was calm about it. Uh, and and, and I, at that point, I'm realizing I'm not going to be eating this. Uh, if it, now, then I had to think, at, if I was at home, I would have, like, washed the celery and gone this, make sure there are no other bugs, washed it out real good, and went ahead and ate it. I mean, come on, you would have too, most likely, right? I mean, there are insects that are on all of your veggies before they make it to your house anyway. But I was a little concerned about it being in a restaurant because if there's one in here, there might be more. And I kind of dug through and I found a second one in there. I was like, okay, I think there's an infestation of insects in their fresh veggies in the back. So I'm not going to eat mine, but on the other hand, you know, let's, let's not let other, put other people in this predicament. So I went up to the counter and very nicely said, I just want to let you know, take a look, there's, there's bugs in here. And the girl at the front counter, she says, what, what? I'm like, there are insects in my celery and stuff. You might want to check what's in the back and clean it out because... That's just like, ugh. and she said, well, do you want some more? I'm like, no, no, you're missing the point. <laughs> you're missing the point. I don't want any more. You know, you can have them. Well, I, and I said, I'm not looking for a refund. And I promise you guys, I was not like some male Karen up there. Well, I'm going to tell the police on you. Or so I was like, no, I wasn't going to do that. But, but I was trying to, trying to deal with the situation and, and gave it back to them. And, and, and I thought it was all resolved. And so that was fine done with that. Well, came back there. My boys wanted to go back there a couple weeks later. So I took my boys back in. And, and when I was there, I just thought, oh, wait, this is a place that has the buggy, uh, uh, you know, insects uh, in, the, in the 
food. And, and so, so I, I just went and asked a question that I felt I had a right to ask at that point. Not loud, not, not anything crazy. But I just went and asked, I said, by the way, I know there were insects in the, uh, in the like, celery and stuff a couple weeks ago, just making sure all that's been cleaned out, and is it all fresh again? Because, I mean, I want my veggies. Are you with me? I want my veggies. So, so this girl looked up at me, and she goes, how did you know about that? And I, I mean, she, she got on to me, and, and I said, well, I'm the dude. I mean, I found them, and she said, oh, we've heard about you. She said, are you going to go crazy on us like you did last time? I said, what are you talking about? And then, then she called this other person back. She goes, this is the guy who, who had the bugs in his food. So now I have two people. They're up at the counter looking at me. You're the bug guy. And, and I, like, I now have a reputation in this restaurant. And I, I, said, I said, yeah, but I was just wanting to make sure it's all been cleaned out so I can get some fresh veggies this time without insects. And, and just, just kind of following up on the original conversation from two weeks ago. I mean, none of the same employees were there. So the, this, this dude that she called up to the front, this guy said, I heard you went crazy on them last time. And, and you took this celery and you threw it at the girl and yelled in the store and demanded your money back. And I'm like, no, that never happened. <laughs> that, that didn't happen at all. And, and I helped to calm him down. He's like, no, no. In fact, my sons are here. They'll attest that it was quiet. In fact, nobody else in the restaurant even knew that this was happening. But it's interesting how a story like that gets developed and told and retold and retold. And now I am this horrible person who comes in throwing food and hurling it across the room and yelling at people and shouting at people. In fact, they said that they almost had to call the police on me. Like, are you what? <laughs> but that is the craziness of what happens when people just kind of start moving information around and talking about all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we, we have one of our values around here for our partners, which we said we're not going to gossip because that causes all kinds of problems. But, but that is kind of a little a bit of a foundation of what happens when we talk about other people and talk about other stuff or maybe even talk about or certainly talk about others' misdeeds or even their sin, and it gets blown out of proportion and actually causes harm. Truth be told, I didn't want to go back to that restaurant again after that because I thought I have a reputation here of something that I never did, but ah, well, I, just don't, I just don't want to be a, make this a big deal. So the title of my message today is called When Sinned Against. When Sinned Against. Uh, and, and I, wa- I want to just make this clear. This teaching, in fact, the, all the teaching from this series is not directed toward an individual or a situation or anything like that, so you can let that just stuff go out of your mind. Uh, anytime that, that I have to deal with someone you know, re- regarding sin or someone who's sinned against, that's always dealt with privately and follow the scriptural methods. We always, we always do that, or you, you deal with it within the circle of individuals involved. And so I, I have never and I will never do that. So this is actually a proactive teaching because I dream of a church that will function according to the scriptures. Now, now today's message is more, of, it's, it's more on the teaching side. I'm going to give you some really good teaching here. And, and if you're a leader, leader, if you're a leader in this church, I really want you to listen up. I really want you to take some notes. And I really want you to even potentially come back and listen to this again and again. 
bookmark this little uh, message on your, uh, on your app or wherever because this is something to come back to because this is the way God wants us to deal with stuff when we're sinned against. Uh, and if we do things the way I'm about to share, a lot of heartaches and a lot of pain will be diminished significantly within the church if Christians will handle sin the way the Scripture says. Because, truth be told, overall, sin is handled very, very, very poorly in the body of Christ, and that ought not be. It ought not be. And if, if this convicts you today, good. Because I can't read through Matthew 18 without it convicting me every single time. And so that's, the, that's what I pray for. That's what I hope for. So, so first of all, let's, let's lay the foundation. What in the world is sin? Let's just start at the bottom. Well, in the Old Testament... There are a lot of words that describe sin. In fact, there are six different Hebrew words. The Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew. There are six Hebrew words that, uh, that are translated as sin. And, uh, and, and here's what sin means from the, according to the Old Testament. It's evil. You're not going to have a chance to write all this down. You can take pictures of it. Evil, it means contrary to God's nature. It's an offense deserving of punishment. Sin is wicked. Sin is perverse. To sin means you're crooked. You do something morally wrong. It is twisted. It is rebellion. It is transgression. It means to wander. It means to go astray. It even means to quarrel, to rebel, to revolt, or to break away from authority. Now, that's a big, stinking, long definition that, that we get from the Old Testament, from those six different Hebrew words that are translated as sin. Now, in the New Testament, we just simply have one word that's translated as sin, which makes it a whole lot easier. And the one word from the New Testament that's translated as sin is this. It, is, it simply means this. It means a failure. It means missing the mark. You didn't hit the target. You missed the mark. You failed. So, that's a, so when you put the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, definitions of sin together, you can pretty much get it. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit convicts us so that we do know what sin is. Even if you don't have a proper definition for it, you know when you sin, and you know what it is. Uh, and, and I think it's appropriate that we just respond appropriately to the voice of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the world uh, is full of sin. When you came into this world, you were born into sin. Isn't that, isn't that encouraging? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're born into it. In fact, all of the decay that's in the world has its roots in sin. And I'm talking about decay in nature, uh, decay in relationships, decay in your physical body, uh, decay even spiritually. Any of that, all, all forms of decay go back to the whole issue of sin. Sin is a problem. It has its origin there. In fact, the scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 3, it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. Now, if you look at that scripture, let's put it up on the screen, all of sin. Now, you look at the very first word. What's the first word up there? All. Does that include you? Yes, it does. It's really interesting. I was in Bible college one time, and, uh, and there's this one, one teacher. Thank God this was not a theology teacher. Uh, this person was a literature, an English teacher. But this, this lady just stood up in front of the class one day, and she just said, Now, I, I have never sinned, and I don't sin. Now, you would look at the lady and you'd think, yeah, you're pretty sinless. I mean, she, she was, she acted, but, but, but and we know that's not true. That, that was not true at all. And, and the, theolo- the, the theology uh, majors in the room, we kind of laughed and weren't making fun of her, but, but some of the challengers like, yes, you have. You've said, like, I do not. I remember it so clearly. 
I do not sin. I never have sin. I don't sin. Like, well, excuse me. That must be nice, you know. But the truth is, all have sinned. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. And here, here this is important. All of us sin from time to time. So when I talk about sin, we're talking about something every single one of us deal with. Now, I want you to, do under, I want you to understand this, though. You don't become unsaved because you sin. I used to be afraid of that as a kid. Like, if I commit a sin I'm, and, and, and I die, I'm going to hell. And, and I used to practice this. I had this little thing. Like, if I, was, if I saw, uh, like, I was going to get into a car accident with my mom or my dad or I was driving, I, even through my teen years, I'd practice this. Like, if, it, if something looks dangerous, I could pray a prayer really fast. Jesus, forgive me my sins, and then hopefully make it into heaven. I used to practice that. I did. I really, really did. That's what I kind of lived under. Some of you guys, yeah, I, I get that. I understand that. Uh, and, but, but even at the end of each day, I would pray for God to forgive any sin I'd committed. And I think that's a good habit. I think that's a good thing to do. God, convict me of sin. Show me sin. Forgive me of sin. But, but the truth is, though, a perpetual lifestyle of sin will cause a person to backslide out of the family of God. And that's, that's actually dangerous. So overall, sin is a problem. But we thank God that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And that's part of what we sang about this morning. Yet, get this, when we sin, get this. Oh, come on. This is good. This is good, especially for leaders. When you sin, you fall short of the glory of God. In other words, there's this drain on the presence of God in your life. So, so when you sin, there's less of that potency, the power of the Holy Spirit, the glory of God that's in you, which then makes uh, even your ministry begin to suffer. It'll cause, uh, it'll, it'll cause the ability for you to function and the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit to begin to suffer because the glory of God is diminishing off of you. And since we want the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit, and we want to be empowered and, and let the Holy Spirit flow through us, then we want to deal with sin. Get that? We want to deal with sin. Sin is a problem. Sin is, is, is really a big problem. And uh, when someone sins against you, that's even a bigger problem. All right, I asked you to look in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 in your Bibles. I want you to, we're going to go through this, but hold your place there because we're going to kind of go through it almost like two times. I, don't, I need to read through it once. And let's, let's get through this. So Jesus dealt with it. He said, if your brother or sister sins, this is from the NIV, go and point out their fault. Now, I'm going to pause for just a second. You see where it says, if your brother or sister sins. Some versions say sins against you. Some of you will have that in your Bibles. Others of you will just say sin. There, and I've, I've done my studies on this. And that particular word right there, it's a, the translation is a little bit odd. Like, we don't know if it's sinning against a person or if it's actually just committing any sin. And I think it works both ways, but it works primarily. I believe this applies primarily to when you sin against another person. The reason is, is because when, we, when you look at, look at the scripture in its context, what it's spoken of before and after, it's all about sinning against people. It's not just about committing a sin, all right? So that's why I'm including this in, into this a series on offense. So if your brother or sister sins, and I would like to say sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If 
they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. Even if, and, and if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or an IRS agent. Okay, we do lose a little bit of context here. If you work for the IRS, we're, we're not going to treat you bad. Probably not. But, but actually, the tax collectors, just, just so that you understand the context here, in that culture, the tax collectors, they were Jewish people who had sold themselves out to the Romans and who, would, and who used very, very corrupt uh, practices to drain the Jewish people of their money, and they were Jews themselves. And therefore, they didn't have, hardly even have friends. Nobody liked the tax collectors because they were, they were a part of the bad government. And, and, uh, and they didn't mean things. So, so now you understand a little bit there. And a pagan, which would be a person who, who has nothing to do with God, they're not even trying to serve God. They're, they're living a completely wrong lifestyle, okay? So now we understand that it's in context. Now Jesus goes on to say, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. All right, now we're going to pray and ask God for revelation and application because God will help you to apply this specifically into your own life. So let's pray. God, we, uh, we want revelation. Lord, your word is already anointed. Just by me reading your word, there's conviction, there's anointing. Your, your spirit begins to move in us through the reading, through the speaking of your word. But God, I pray that there will be great revelation and there will be very practical application of what I'm sharing today into our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I, I do want to start this off by saying this, this particular passage of scripture is not about like being offended at somebody. It, it really isn't. I do know that some versions of the Bible at the beginning of this passage will say, if your brother offends you. That may actually be in one of your translations. That's actually a very poor translation for today's English. Uh, most, if not all of the newer translations have corrected this, and they will say if they sin or they sin against you. Uh, because this passage has nothing, is, is not about when you get your feelings hurt. Because around right, these days, we say, I got offended, that means you got your feelings hurt. So the scripture, uh, some Christians try to apply this to every time you get your feelings hurt, and that makes it ridiculous. You're not going go to the whole, go to the church every time you get your feelings hurt, okay? That's kind of ridiculous. So, so but, but our definition, remember, our definition for being offended, which I'm going to come back on to next week, a lot more teaching on this, it simply means this. It means feeling mistreated. So it is an emotion of feeling mistreated. Uh, it's a perception. It's a feeling. Uh, it, it could be intentional that somebody's doing, doing that to you. It quite often is unintentional, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you've been sinned against. And that's what the problem with offense is. But to be sinned against is what I'm talking about today means that you have been violated by someone's sinful actions. That's what's important. That's what I'm nailing today. You've been violated by the sinful actions of another people, of another person. So that, that could be like, like you have been molested or you've been lied to or you've been abused or you've been framed. And, and those are the types of issues that we're dealing with today. So whenever you have been sinned against, it still is an offense because it does, you do feel hurt. You do feel mistreated. You do feel all of that. So it is an offense. But it's not necessarily that you've been sinned against. 
Now, I also want to make it clear that, that this has to do with being sinned against between believers because this really does not work well outside of the, of the fellowship of Christian believers. So, what if I've been sinned against? I'm glad you asked because I have six little steps right here that the scriptures take us through in Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to go back and kind of look at what each one of those are in the passage of scripture. Now, as, as we're going through this, this is important to understand. If you've been sinned against... You, get this, you are not the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's God. That's not you, all right? You're not the Holy Spirit, so you do not have the power to bring conviction on that other person. And, and, uh, and, and in fact, there's no place even in the scriptures where it says we should pray for a person to be convicted or pray for that. That's the Holy Spirit. God does that job really, really well. He does that on his own. So what we do is we follow what the scriptures say about us, and we do not take the place of God. The, one of the big mistakes a lot of people make in this process is they begin acting like they are taking the place of God. You can't do that. Uh, God tells us we are not to judge that person, and so you can't do that. So here are the first steps in the process. Number one is do not pass judgment. That means you're taking the place of God. Do not pass judgment. Don't stand in the place of God. Remember, God judges us. We don't judge other people. What does that mean to judge? It means when you're saying, you know what, you're going to go to hell. You know what? You know what? When you tell a person, if you use that terminology, go to hell, you are actually now taking the place of God because that is something that God would say at the final judgment and you have just stepped on some very, very dangerous territory because it says, as you have judged, you will be judged. Because as you say things like that, you are essentially declaring, I'm going to send myself to hell. I want God to send me to hell. Do you see? That's some dangerous stuff. So get those. If, you're, if you like saying that, stop. Just, just, just stop that right now. You don't need to tell a person that they're going to. You know, I, I've heard other Christians say, you're going to burn in hell for that. I, I've heard others say, you know, talking about people who have done horrible, gross things. But I've heard this from Christians. I've heard this from preachers saying, I hope they burn in hell for that. Well, I don't. Because I'm a Christian, and I want, God says that he wants every single person to come into repentance. He wants every single person's life to be turned around, even the most hideous of all criminals. Amen? Amen. That's, what I, that's not just what I believe. That's what the Word of God says. So Romans chapter 14, verse 13 says this, Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Just stop it. Just, just, just stop it. Just stop it. Because what that only does is that perpetuates the offense. So if you want to stop the cycle of offense, you know, people getting their feelings hurt, well, you need to pursue peace. So don't pass judgment. Number two is this. Do not communicate your situation with others. And then yet is in the, is really, I, I probably should have put that in parentheses. But you do not communicate your situation to other people. Now, Telling other people about what the, what the person did or how the person uh, offended you by sinning against you, that is gossip, and that is your attempt to make other people feel sorry for you, and it's your attempt to raise a big scene and to put the other person down without them knowing. Now, if you're a leader, I, I talked to leaders here earlier, and I said, you really need to take, take some notes on this, because if you're a leader, you will have people come to you, and they're going to tell you about a personal conflict or a concern. Well, I have this concern. I have this conflict. And, 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 uh, and when you hear them out, and you find out, like, wait a minute, this is gossip, 
you, you've got to ask them. You have to ask them, have you gone to the individual? Have you talked to the individual? Have you talked to them personally? If they've sinned against you, have you talked to them personally about it? And what did they say? They said, well, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Okay, then it's done. Why are you bringing it to me? Because at this point, you've got to call, leaders, you've got to call it out. You've got to say, that's gossip, and it stops right here. I know that sounds mean, but it's God's word. And gossip is often referred to as the cancer of the church. We don't do that. So you, you call it out right there, and you end it. If it's sin, just like, no, no, absolutely not. Be- and then, and then you, can, you send them back to the person or even walk them through this teaching. Have them listen to this message on the podcast or something because you don't want the, the end result of pain and division and conflict and more and more gossip because, as I shared two weeks ago, God's will is suspended in your life and the life of the other people person and possibly even in the life of the church because you're not dealing with this appropriately so this is some serious business proverbs chapter 17 verse 9 says this whoever would foster love and that's what christianity is based upon the love of god whoever would foster love covers over an offense but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends so again love is the foundation on this you do not communicate your situation with other people. Now, there is an exception to this. If there is a clear violation of the law, or if someone is in danger, you go to the authorities and you deal with that. You understand that? So if there's abuse in your home, you go to authorities. We have a policy in this church that should anyone ever bring something up about someone being abused, immediately there's a 48-hour window. That's a policy in this church. 48 hours, we will let the authorities know because we don't mess around with that. You got that? Yeah. All right. Now, so, so, and that's to protect the body of Christ. That's, to, that's, that's all, about, all about protection. So if a crime is committed against you, a crime then you don't have to deal with it this way. You can involve the authorities. You can, you can use elements of this, but you need just to, to deal with it as quickly and as, as efficiently as possible. I have a crime committed against me this last week. I did. I, I'm kind of laughing about it because it was, I, you do not want to... Maybe I, would, I could sit down with you and tell you about the 20-minute version of the whole details of the story, but basically I had an Apple product, uh, which is not, not, not like the thing that you eat, but it's, it's the, uh, the technology company. I had an Apple product that, that was, came up missing, and I'm like, okay, it's missing, it's missing, it's strange. I looked it up my... And I looked it up, and, and it said on the Find My app, if you, if you have Apple products, you know, you can find your stuff. And I found my stuff. Well, what, what, what in the world is my stuff doing all the way down and almost in Crowley? <laughs> okay, someone lifted my Apple product and took it down there. And so I, like, okay, well, I, I got my son, Ian, and I said, hey, you want to you wanna go visit somebody and find out what's going on? I, Sure. So, of course, he's always up for an adventure. So we just look, okay. God, I did not tell Rebecca. Uh, she did not tell her yet. Because, guys, sometimes it's best to not tell a lady yet, okay? There's, a, there's an appropriate time. Ladies, don't get angry, but you just got to understand. You just got to understand. We, it's, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. So I, I, I went, and, and, uh, and I felt like, okay, I don't feel like this is too bad. I don't feel, feel any bad vibes around here with the house or the neighbors. 
feel pretty, pretty safe about this. Knocked on the door, looked in the camera, waved. Nobody came to the door. So I was like, I'll come back later. I came back later, and then as I was driving up, literally, I was following a car into that neighborhood. I was by myself this time that was dropping off a person that was going into the house. And so I, I, I'd stepped out of the car, and I said, hey, I don't mean to scare you or anything, but I need to let you know that there's an Apple product of mine that's in your house, and I need it back. And, the per, and, and so the person started screaming at me and going crazy. So I thought, okay, well, next step is, is you know, still understand, this is, these are not Christians. Uh, we're not in the church. So I, I apply, and the next thing, I said, hey, the person who dropped her off, stay here. Roll your window down. Don't leave. Just watch what's, watch what's going on here. Watch what's going on. So let's step into the cameras on your house. There's something of mine in your house, and I just need it back. Well, this just continued to die. You're not coming in my house. I, th- I didn't say I was, you know. So this thing kept escalating. I said, you can either give it to me or I can call the police and have them come and give it, get it to me. And I go ahead and call the police. Those are, those are all the, the bad words that, that were said in there that I'm not going to repeat in here. And, and, uh, and so it was all that was going on. And so, all right, well, I, I really don't want to. Can we just end this? Like, no. So, all right, well, here we go. So I call the police, and the police hears all this. The police says, why don't you just go back to your car? Because it sounds like this thing could, could get a little rough. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll go back to my car and wait. And so I go back to the car, and then the neighbor comes out, and the neighbor says, I'm on the phone with the owner of the house. And, and so, they, they, so they, we've pulled more people into it. More and more people are getting involved, which is not a problem at this point, because at this point the police are coming. So let's get this thing dealt with. Before. And I said, can we just deal with this before the police get here? It would be so much easier on everybody. Not like I'm trying to dodge the police, but hey, uh, let's just make this simple. And uh, we started talking through it, talking through it more and more and more. And then I explained the situation. And honestly, within an hour before the police showed up, I had my Apple product back in my hands. I totally disinfected the product, and it's, it's my, it's, it, it, it is my stuff. I got it back. It was done. I called the police and said, you don't need to come anymore. They said, did you get your stuff back? I went, yeah, I sure did. Like, wow, that's good. That worked. <laughs> I'm sure I'm glad they didn't have to come. But sometimes, but you see, when you're dealing with something like that, where someone has, has done something illegal and you're not able to resolve it, you, of course, you call the authorities. You get, you get other people involved like that because this system really doesn't necessarily work all that well. But if you're in the church, try to operate it like this so that you don't have to involve outside authorities. Uh, so number three, the third step is this. Then you go to the offender and you deal with the problem. You go to them and, okay, so here's what the Bible says in verse 15. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. You got that? That's so critical. First step. This should be in a neutral place. It's good to do it in person. Keep it confidential. You encourage the person. You put together an action plan to resolve it. And if they are sorry, if they're repentant, then you forgive them, you move on, and you do not repeat the matter. Do you understand? Because the goal of this is to be redemptive with the individual, not to bring shame or condemnation on the individual. You get that? It's not about trying to bring shame or or making them feel bad. It's like if they have gotten things right, then thank God. Thank God. That's the goal. Thank God for that. So in verse 16 says, if you've listened to them, then you've won them over. Wonderful. 
And a lot of times it can be handled just like that. You know, what I did was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I want to make things right. Well, good. Now, if the person is defensive or they're obstinate, <laughs> then, uh, then you have to move to the next place, which is step four. It says if the offender does not listen, here it is, step four. If they're not wanting to listen, bring one or two others with you. Now, I, I add this in here, preferably someone in spiritual authority in your life. Uh, so in other words, you know, you don't want to bring along your gym partner or your hairdresser. I mean, it's just like, no, nah, I just don't do that. Unless, unless that's, that person fills that role. Uh, I see some hairdressers in here that are just, now they're offended, okay. But uh, some of the guys who work out at the gym, sorry, you're offended. But, but please understand this, that's, it's not just bringing along a buddy or someone you casually know. This, it, it's good to bring along somebody who may be in spiritual authority in your life and just to help them or, or someone who's strong spiritually. You don't want to bring along a person who's weaker spiritually into this situation because you don't want them to go off and go crazy on you, all right? So, so the, the, again, the goal is redemptive. You want restoration of the person's soul, okay? This is not about punishment. It's not about embarrassment. It's not about humiliation. And you have to be humble. And if you're not humble, this doesn't work. Okay, so verse 16, look at it. It says, if they will not listen, take two, one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses so that somebody else is involved in this and they can see that, okay, you're, you're doing your best and, and uh, we can see what's really, really happening here. Now, again, if they're sorry, if they're repentant, then you forgive them. Thank God it's over with. And you and the other person have made an agreement. This stays between us. We are not here to bring harm or damage to the other person, okay? Wouldn't you love it if, like, you were caught in a situation like that, or you had offended someone, or you had sinned against someone, and they handled it this way with you? You would, wouldn't you? Some of you have been in situations like this, and it wasn't handled this way, and you know the pain, you know the fallout, and you know how ugly it can end up being. So if they're defensive and they're obstinate, then you actually have to take it up to the next level. This is so, step five is right here. It says, if the offender still does not listen... Bring it to the appropriate group in the church through its leader. Now, I know the scripture says bring it to the church, but, but uh, that, a, a very loose translation of that would be you're, you're going to come up on the platform on Sunday morning. You're going to say, all right, now, Mabel Jones, she looked at me funny, and then she crunched, she crunched my car the other day. And I've been talking to her, so let's all have a big rally and talk about Mabel Jones. Like, no, that's not it. And that's not what you do. This, again, is handled in not, not being handled in a way that's going to bring shame or embarrassment because you want the other person to be set free from whatever it is. So, so you, you will take them and you'll uh, you ex- ex- explain the steps that have already been taken so that, so that the, these, this leader's group or whatever within the church understands. And, uh, and again, that's verse 17. It says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. So the responsibility now is really upon the church leadership in that particular situation. If they're sorry, if they repent, then you forgive them and you do not have to repeat the matter. You don't. If they're defensive or they're obstinate, then you actually take it up to the final step. Take a look here. It says, number six, if the offender still does not listen, this is the final level, discontinue interaction with the person. And those are very polite ways of saying it. 
Uh, the scriptures, it says a little bit heavier. It says if they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. But that, what that really means is you discontinue interaction with the person. At that point, it is out of your hands. And if you've been handling this in a redemptive manner, very few situations will ever even come to this level. Uh, I've only experienced this level once in my life, once in my ministry. I'll tell you about this. happened about 20 years ago. And uh, no names or anything like that here. I don't even know where these people are anymore. But, but in the church that I was pastoring, we had made a change in our policy with the, with the congregation, with people who were overseeing children and youth. Some policies, like if you're going to take children off the campus and take them somewhere, there needs to be a permission slip. And we want to see that all of our children and youth workers are screened uh, through, through a criminal background check. Good plan, right? I mean, yeah, we do that here. We do that here. So, you know, we... We, we put that into, into, into action, and this one second grade teacher just said, I'm not going to do that. I will take these kids wherever I want to, whenever I want to, because they're my kids. I said, actually, they belong to their parents, not to you. So, well, I will do what I want to do. So, this, so we actually had to walk through this process. It was, I, I want to tell you, it was painful. It was very painful because we took it one step at a time through the process, and it, and it, uh, it escalated. It escalated to the point where this lady's husband showed up at my door to shoot me. He had his handgun. He was going to shoot me. And I was like, well, why are you doing that? And fortunately, somebody in the congregation had tipped me off. Hey, he's coming over to your house. He's got a gun. He's told me he's going to kill you. Don't answer the door. So I didn't even call the police. I'm like, well, I don't know. Just, we're just not going to answer the door. And, and, the, and that was in Missouri. You have basements, so we can hide in the basement. It was kind of cool. So it really wasn't cool, but it was, you know, it was, it was one of those things. And, and so the dude leaves, and he, you know, he chills out and everything. And, but then you have to find, okay, why did all this happen? Why did you show up at my house with a gun? And then the next thing is this guy, the lady's husband, begins stalking my wife. Watch when my wife left the house, would follow her whenever she'd go to a store, would walk about three feet behind her, stand next to her, look at her. And it was, this guy was so weird, and we kept trying to work with them, and they, would not, they wouldn't give in. We tried to handle it redemptively multiple times following these steps. It eventually came to a situation where we had to pull the church elders together, and the church elders unanimously presented this you know, to them and said, you are no longer allowed to have any contact with the Woody family at all, and you are no longer allowed to be on this property at all. And if this happens, you know, we're going to escalate it even further. We're going to begin to involve the authorities, because we had not involved the authorities up to that point. And fortunately, it resolved itself. It resolved itself, but I'll tell you that was that was the most painful thing because we had to dis, we had to disassociate these individuals from the local church. Now, that should be an extremely rare situation, extremely rare. And again, in all my years of ministry, growing up as a child, all my years of ministry, and you know, serving in a large church and pastoring a large church and pastoring this church, I've only had to deal with this one time, taking it that far. So, so. You have to understand, broken fellowship is not the goal of this stuff. The goal, again, is to be redemptive. It's not to humiliate. Everything needs to be done in love. This is a huge humility test for anyone who does this stuff, all right? So, but we have to keep reading because we need to look at verse 18. Verse 18, look at this again in your Bibles. It says, truly I tell you, 
Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So what that means is God backs up the decisions of the church. God will back up the decisions, in this case, of the leaders of this church. Because uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the scholars here basically say that the church and the church leaders function as like a supreme court, in a sense. And so there is no higher appeal. They just can't go any further with this thing. Now, there's a warning here for leaders that because if, if you have ego that gets in the way or a lust for power that gets in the way, the process becomes very destructive and you're putting yourself into a very bad position between, between you and God. And that's, that's dangerous. But since God honors the church's legal process, and this is actually a spiritually legal process, and when decisions are made by godly, humble, wise church leaders, then it is recognized in heaven. Matthew 18, 18, again, it's in the context here. Now, I know this. I know a lot of people take this scripture out of context and apply it to all kinds of different things, and I don't like to do that because that's a little bit, actually, that can be quite dangerous with the scriptures. We shouldn't do that. So, Matthew 18, 18 says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We, we, and a lot of times, uh, people tend to think of this as something that's very different than its original intent. I was talking to Jake about this the other day. He says, yeah, that's like someone's like, okay, we're going to get together. We're going to have a binding and loosing service. We're like, no, no, what? I mean, that, that should not exist because that's not what this scripture is about. Uh, it, it's referring to decisions that are made by binding and loosing by church leadership after reconciliation attempts have been made according to Matthew chapter 18, with the goal being redemptive. So it's reconciliation with God and reconciliation with man. If a person is loosed on earth by these leaders from the church, then they are loosed in heaven, all right? So that means they're let go of. And it says if they're bound, so that means you hold on to them, and they're sticking with you, then God honors that in heaven. That's what that means. Now, look at verse 19. Here's some other scriptures that are quite often taken out of context. And I believe these can have a little broader appeal, but, uh, uh, but, or, or, or reference or meaning. But verse 19 says this. It says, again, I truly, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. I believe that in a holistic sense, but it's... Here, it is applying directly to the issue of dealing with a person who's been sinned against. So, God is with you. This is what this is saying. God is with you when you are doing conflict resolution. Get that. Even if it's one-on-one. If you're a believer, God is with you in conflict resolution. That's what, that's what this is saying here. But the key is when you're getting together in my name. So, this is, this is full of the glory of God, you know. And God means God is with you to walk through this process. You are not alone, and you don't have to pull other people into it and step outside of this because God's with you. Isn't that beautiful? That's wonderful, and that's what this is all about. And what it, so whatever you do, you do it with a spirit of confidentiality. You do it with a spirit of love because God is with you, and it's redemptive in nature. In fact, if you go reading the rest of the book, of, uh, that chapter in Matthew, Matthew 18, 21, Peter then speaks up after this, and he says, well, how many times then should I forgive a person who sinned against me? So you see, that's what the whole theme was about. Well, how many times am I supposed to sin against them? Should, should I... Should I uh, should I forgive them seven times? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. In other words, like, just stop counting. 
Your goal is to forgive. Your goal is to move forward in love, understanding God is with you in this process. Now, another question is then, what if I've been mistreated and but not sinned against? Well, that's what I'm talking about in these other messages, but basically you have to leave it and you move forward. You forgive the person because offenses just simply aren't worth holding on to. Uh, remember this. Bringing these accusations out is dangerous because Satan is the accuser of the brothers. We do the will of Satan when we start with the accusations, and that is very, very dangerous. I shared with that two weeks ago in a message entitled Guard Your Heart. So you don't want to do the will of Satan. You hold on to offense. You hold on to bitterness. What happens is that will infiltrate your home. Uh, if you're a leader, it will infiltrate your small group or your business. It will infiltrate everything in your life. If it's with me, it will infiltrate my preaching. And, and we don't want that. We don't want to hold on to that offense. You need, you've got to let it go. And if you keep getting your feelings hurt all the time, I mean, an easy thing to say, but it's true. It's just lighten up. Stop taking yourself so seriously. <laughs> Take your God really serious. Take the Word of God serious. Take your faith serious. But stop taking yourself so serious. Now, I try to set an example for you. I also challenge the leaders to set this example for you as well. So here's the summation of it. Again, this is a teaching message, but I hope you're getting some good things out of this for you to encourage you. Summation of this. Number one, when sinned against... Don't gossip about it. Don't do that. That is self-control. That's where God gives us self-control. Control your mouth. Keep your mouth closed. Keep your mouth closed. There's a time years ago when I had a, I had a problem with talking. I, I was talking, you know, saying some things I shouldn't be saying. And this, back when I was about 25, and I, I decided that I was going to fix that. And so at that time, the little goatees were really cool, you know, so I grew myself a goatee. And that reminded me because I could feel it all the time. I hated the way it felt. Like where this feels so. But, but uh, it reminded me all the time to guard what comes out of my mouth. It really, really helped me. But control your mouth. The second one is <clears throat> when sinned against, be humble. Now that's part of self-control of controlling your emotions. Just stay humble in the process. Walk in humility. The next step in this, or not step, but just another one of these points in here that I really want to drive home today is when you're sinned against, you've got to forgive. God forgave you. You absolutely must forgive. If you can't forgive, ah, he can't forgive you, and that's ugly. That's, that's where you control your spirit. You've got to control your spirit. You have to let go. You have to forgive. The other point that I really want you to hear today is when you're sinned against, Follow the redemptive biblical pattern. Follow what's in the Word. I know this. Your emotions and your thoughts will tell you to do something different. I know that. It will. Just don't do it. Follow the Word. Follow the Word. Follow the Word. And I want you to remember this one. This is the, this is the big one right here. Is God loves the church. All of us including the person who sinned against you. God loves them deeply. God loves them deeply. God loves them deeply. Therefore, you love them enough to walk them through a biblical pattern, a biblical plan, and not create more harm. 
create more damage in the body of Christ or against the person who hurt you. I would honestly have to say that a mishandling of this stuff is probably one of the main reasons why people leave church and never come back. Yet most pastors aren't going to preach about it because it's not like the good pick-me-up sermon of, hey, everybody loves Jesus. Let's all give Jesus a big hand clap. And you know, God, gives, God works miracles and we have faith. And I, you know I preach all that stuff. But it's one of the biggest reasons why people drop out and they leave church altogether is because of mishandling of stuff like this. I've seen way too many people have their sins basically put up on a billboard, communicated all over the place, judgment coming down harshly on them, and it ought not be. So in just a few minutes when we close, I think it's appropriate to even pray for people who have been violated by this and who have been hurt by others not following through with this pattern. I I want us to do that. And you may have been hurt by people not following this pattern. We're going to pray for you too. We're also going to pray that God will give you the strength and the impetus to do those five things I gave you there at the very end. First, let's make sure our hearts are right with God. Please no looking around. Now I'm going to ask you if you have, uh, if you need Jesus, if you need forgiveness of sin in your life. And if that's the case, I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive Christ today. If you don't know about your eternal destiny, you don't know whether you would go to heaven or not, should you walk out of this place and die on your way home or have a heart attack in the parking lot or whether you'd fall die in your sleep tonight or whether Jesus would return before the day is over if you're not sure then I want you to give your life to Christ right now and the way to do that is by lifting your hand in just a second so that I can see your hand I want to connect my faith with yours and then we're going to pray together you're going to invite Jesus in. You're going to see that your sins are forgiven. If that's you this morning, in the quietness of this moment, count of three, lift your hand up for me so I can see it. One, two, three. Lift it up. Lift it up for me. Pastor, I need Jesus. Thank you. Who else? Put your hand down. Thank you. you put your hand down. Anyone else? I need Jesus. Okay, for those who lifted their hands, I want us to pray this prayer. Church, I want you to pray this as well for the individuals who lifted their hands today. Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, forgive my sins. Wash me in your precious blood. I give my life to you. I make a break from my past. I turn now to follow you, to pursue you, to live the kind of life that you've called me to live. In Jesus' name, thank you for forgiveness. And thank you for eternity. In Jesus' name. I want us to pray right now. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand in this room. I want us to pray right now for... I want to pray, I guess, for any of you who have been hurt by people not following these steps no shame on the people who didn't follow the steps because like I said it's not easy this is actually very challenging but you've been hurt and God brings healing because he loves you you've been hurt you've been hurt so Lord I just pray right now for those who have been hurt and damaged emotionally 
are just even still struggling with forgiveness because of how painful it was to, to, to be, be even judged or condemned or, or shamed. I pray for the healing power of Jesus to be upon them, upon their families and upon their homes, God, upon their lives so they can thrive, to no longer carry this around as, a, as just an affliction that they're dealing with in Jesus' name. Some of you know of people who have left church and they're not even serving God right now because of this. Or maybe they're borderline serving God saying, I don't need the church. I don't need any of that because they've been hurt. They've been hurt because of stuff like this. I, I, want, I want us to pray for them. In fact, you need to lift up their names to the Lord. Just begin to whisper their names to the Lord as we pray right now. Come on. We're praying for people outside right now. God, we just pray for those who have been hurt, for those who have been damaged, for those who have been afflicted, those who have just had their, their, their emotions just tore apart, or maybe even their lives or their ministries tore apart because someone didn't follow these steps and there was abuse there and there was harm and damage and, and love didn't surround it all. I, I pray for there to be healing in their hearts, healing in their minds, healing in their emotions in Jesus' name. And I pray for the conviction of God to be upon them, that they'll no longer be afraid to be a part of the church and that they will want to be integrated into your beautiful body again. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You keep that person lifted up to the Lord. You keep them lifted up to the Lord. You keep them lifted up to the Lord because those kind of hurts and those pains, they are real. Do not judge them because of the steps they took because you've not walked in their shoes. Now I want us to pray for our own selves that God will give us the strength to follow his word. God, I pray right now, first of all, that we will not be people of gossip in Jesus' name. Fine, just say, God, I'm not going to be a gossiper. Just say, God, I'm not going to be a gossiper. Just confess it to the Lord. God, help us to be humble. Lord, we choose humility. Come on, just say it to the Lord. Lord, I choose humility. I choose humility. Also, I choose to forgive. Come on, just say that to the Lord. I choose to be a forgiving person. I choose to forgive. And also, I choose to follow the redemptive pattern in the Word. Come on, just say that. Lord, I make the choice to follow the redemptive pattern that's in your Word. And I thank you, God. I thank you, God. We thank you, God, that you love us and you love all of us. Every person, whether they have been offended by one or hurt by someone or sinned against or did the sinning. God, you love all of us equally. And we, God, we want to love the way you love as well. So let that be for us in Jesus' name. God, we want to be free from sins and stranglehold. God, we want to be free from all of the entanglements of sin. We want to be full of the glory of God because, Lord, that glory drains when there's sin and then it hangs around. So we want to be free from that and we choose to walk in victory because of you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, everybody said what? Everybody said what? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.